Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Everyone has a particular subject that they had a really hard time with in school. One of my subjects was English, believe it or not. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of funny coming from an old radio guy that, that does a podcast now, but but it's true. Anyone that has listened to the podcast for any length of time probably doesn't find that really very hard to believe. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just guessing. But But one of the reasons that English was so hard for me was that things were always changing. And, and rules were always broken. Uh, take, for example, the rule I before E except after C. Well, first of all, why is there a rule about the letter C? <laughs> I mean, why does E come after I except after C? Why not the letter D? <laughs> I mean, why, why does it change when C is involved? All of these are, are very good questions in my mind, <laughs> but but second of all, the, this rule is constantly broken. For example, what about the words efficient or ancient, a conscience, even sufficient all break this rule? <laughs> I and, and I'm not even going to go into why there is so many silent letters in the English language. I, I think only that only makes sense to the French. <laughs> but but to complicate things, we take a, a group of words that only use the first letter um, of each of those, and then we form them together to make uh, an acronym. This is when we when we create a word using a lot of other words, just to make things even more confusing. <laughs> so, so when I saw an article by Tiffany Sostar um, trying to explain the LGBTQIA2S plus language, I had to bring it to you. <laughs> we're gonna have fun with it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bring it to you today as a public service. Uh, <laughs> I think. And and here's what. Tiffany Sostar is a narrative therapist working with individuals, couples, uh, polygamous um, uh, families, um, uh, polyanimous groups, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, they, she says that, that she, she's a workshop facilitator, an editor, and a writer. Now, Tiffany's uh, work is um, definitely in the trauma-informed, inclusive area, she says. So, so this, is a, this is a brief introduction to uh, speaking with and about members of the LGBTQIA2S plus community. Uh, it's a big diverse community, she says, and the language is always changing. So see, let's stop right there. <laughs> we are already getting off on the wrong foot when we say that the language is always changing, at least in my book. Um, she says it can be difficult to to keep up, but it's worth it to create safer and more inclusive medical practices, homes, schools, and workplaces. But is it? Uh, let's see. She says a, a brief set of definitions 
of the LGBTQIA2S plus are that these definitions are widely but not universally accepted. Okay. And individual self-definition always takes precedence over any dictionary definition. All right. So... (laughs) Uh, So, for example, a a woman who says she is a lesbian but has dated men in a, uh, is a lesbian. So, she says she's a lesbian, but she's dated men, but she's still a lesbian. A bisexual who has only ever dated people of one gender is still a bisexual. The most important thing about definitions is that people define their own identities for themselves. Okay, so how do I know when a definition is correct or not, especially if I'm not able to ask them about their preferences. If I get it wrong, then I've misgendered them, right? Well, she says that these labels are valuable. Being able to find um, each other and and see others reflected in the uh, available language can save lives. Wait, wait, they can save lives? If I if, if if I get the right pronouns, I can save lives. How how can using the right pronouns save someone's life? If if I say jump to me from that burning building, ma'am, are they not going to because they're transgender? I I don't, I don't get it. But these labels are are a lot like boxes and cats. She says there there's a world of difference between the the box that you choose to sit in and the box someone is trying to stuff you into. (laughs) Or since there are only two boxes, male and female, I would say, uh, it's usually pretty easy to tell what box you should be in. (laughs) I don't know. It's not that hard. (laughs) Here are some definitions of sexual orientations and gender identities. This ought to be good, right? Asexual. Asexual folks are not sexually attracted to people of any gender. Hmm. So would people that are attracted to animals sexually fall into this category? I I know they want to be in that category. Some would say they are. All right. Um, Bisexual. Bisexual is both a specific identity referring to folks who are attracted to two or more genders, and also sometimes used as an umbrella term for non-monogamous or non-monogosexual identities. Non-monogosexual refers to any orientation that includes attraction to more than one gender. Hmm. Bisexual does not necessarily mean attracted to men and women, although bisexual folks are only attracted to men and women. And it is not inherently transphobic. So, okay, so, so I, I could be attracted to females that look like a female and females that look like males and be bisexual. In this case, if I'm not attracted to males that look like females, then how am I not transphobic? It doesn't, again, doesn't make much sense. But let's move on to cisgender. Cisgender folks have a gender identity that is in alignment with their assigned sex at birth, meaning that if they were assigned birth female at birth, they are a woman. And if they were assigned male at birth, they're a man. The sex you are assigned at birth 
refers to what the doctor put on your birth certificate. Wow. That puts a lot of pressure on my doctor to get it right. (laughs) And according to this definition, I can be attracted to any gender and still be considered cisgender. That's kind of news to me. All right. So what about gay? Gay has a few meanings, she says. Um, At its broadest, gay folks are anyone who is attracted to people of their own gender. But gay also, and perhaps more commonly, refers to a man who is attracted to men. Both transgender and cisgender men can be gay. Gay is also sometimes used to refer to anything that isn't straight. So let me get this right. Are gay men also bisexual if they are attracted to men and transsexuals? And, and, if, and if they are only attracted to men and transgender men, are they being sexist? Hmm. Kind of an interesting thought. Well, how about intersex? Uh, intersex refers to a wide range of sexes outside of simple male and female. Intersex folks are born with a variety of sex characteristics, including um, chromosomes, uh, gonads, sex hormones, and or genitals. I don't know the difference between genitals and gonads, but that's for you to to find out, I guess, Uh, that are outside the standard definition of male and female. Intersex folks can have a range of gender identities, and some identity, uh, some identify as non-binary, while others identify as woman or men. Okay, so so it appears that that you should stay away from intersex folks. <laughs> That's what it appears to be the case because they are all over the place and they can easily be misgendered. So just kind of stay away from them. It sounds like. Uh, how about lesbian? A lesbian refers to a woman who is attracted to women, but transgender and cisgender women can be lesbians. They can also be people from the Isle of Lesbos off the coast of Greece, from what I'm told. So anyway, uh, non-binary. Non-binary gender refers to a wide range of gender identities that are not man or woman. Some of these are gender queer, an identity without a clear definition, which we'll talk about queer in a minute. Um, agender, not having a gender, um, Big ender. Oh, wait a minute. I shouldn't say that's not big ender. It's by gender. <laughs> uh, having two genders or gender fluid, a gender identity that shifts regularly. Um, many binary folk use the gender neutral pronouns, they, them, theirs, but other gender neutral pronouns also exist. Some non binary folks identify as transgender and some do not. So, so that is a lot of words just to say that this group is all over the place and is very confused as to what gender God made them. <laughs> I can just sum it up that way. How about pansexual? Pansexual sometimes refers to uh, attraction to all gender and sometimes re- refers to attraction regardless of gender. And I'm still trying to tell the difference between those two definitions. I don't get it. Okay, here's queer. We were, we were going to get to that. Queer is an um, identity that essentially means not straight. 
and it is often used as an umbrella term for the whole non-heterosexual community. It is also a, a political statement, it says here. That's kind of interesting, a political statement. Because queerness intentionally has no single definition beyond not straight. When someone says that they are queer, there is no way to know exactly what that means. Whoa. And that is often intentional. So, <laughs> so I see. If you want to hide what gender or sexual identity you are from everyone, but your politicians maybe, then you say that you are queer. And that covers everything except straight people, which we will define next. Uh, here's straight. Straight or heterosexual folks are either men who are attracted to women or women who are attracted to men. Both cisgender and transgender folks can be straight. But if transgender people believe that God made them by mistake, then how can they be considered straight? Again, see, this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, transgender. Transgender is not a, a sexual orientation, she says. Transgender folks can be gay, straight, bisexual, asexual, or any other orientation. Transgender refers to having a gender identity that is not in alignment with the assigned sex at birth. Trans folks can be trans men, men who are assigned female at birth, previously referred to as female transitioning to male. Though this terminology is no longer commonly used. Trans women, women who are assigned male at birth, formerly referred to as male transitioning to female, or a wide range of non-binary, meaning not man or woman, genders. So let me stop here. So it wasn't God that made the mistake, is what they're saying. It was, it was their mom's O-G-B-Y-N that made the mistake. What, what, if, what if you weren't born in a hospital and, and no one assigned a gender to you at birth? What about the what about the poor African baby that that are that's that's never given a birth certificate? What are they called? What gender are they? Okay, here is where the roller coaster really starts to drop. Are you ready? <laughs> I warned you. Here is the definition she says of two spirit. Two-spirit is an indigenous created word for traditionally recognized identities. It means different things to each nation and to each person who holds that identity. And it is an identity that is culturally specific, meaning that it belongs to indigenous communities and cannot be used by non-indigenous people. So, if non-Indigenous people cannot use this term, then why is it in the acronym LGBTQIA2S plus in the first place, if we're not supposed to talk about it? And what makes someone an Indigenous person so they can actually use the term? Is it that they have at least 50% Native American ancestry in them? How about 25%, 10%? Does 0.5% count? How long do their Native American ancestors, how long have they had to have lived in North America to be considered that and, and be able to be two-spirit? 
we we all came from from the same place originally and that was from in between the tigris and the euphrates rivers near modern day iraq right that's that, that is where the bible says was the location of the garden of eden can i call myself two spirit if i am filled with the holy spirit or is that just considered one spirit I, I, again i just don't understand so what's not included the lgbtqia2s plus acronym is not complete she says that's what the plus indicates and it's not perfect the choices about which identities get a letter in the acronym are always challenging and there are many identities that are not explicitly included in the acronym and are still entirely valid this is particularly true of many cultural specific identities that exist outside of western understandings of gender and sexuality so obviously <laughs> here in the west we are really stupid and don't understand things like gender and sexuality that's what she's saying so if we have to have a plus sign this is the other question if we have to have a plus sign on the end of this acronym why do we have to have all the other letters in front of it why not just call everyone plus people right and and, and if we're leaving out straight people here in this acronym doesn't that potentially make straight people feel isolated and and bad we don't want to make them feel bad do we i mean it just does not seem very inclusive and loving how about a asking and answering questions about this what what can we ask in the first place well the best guideline, she says, when you're thinking about asking someone a question related to their identity or orientation is to ask yourself whether you would ask this of an acquaintance that you uh, assumed to be straight and or cisgender, or to ask yourself whether the information is required in order to provide you know, adequate medical care. Now, I don't think I have ever asked someone who who i just met or what or even known for a while who they like to have sex with so it appears that i should just keep it that way right <laughs> so that's a good thing medical professionals she says often do need to ask um, intrusive questions but asking these questions respectfully carefully from a position of affirming awareness and with clear justification for why you need to ask the questions will make a difference in the feeling of safety. The feeling of safety for your LGBTQIA2S plus community members. So, so if you are a nurse or a doctor, this is my question. If you're a nurse or a doctor, you need to walk on eggshells egg when you meet with a patient, right? I mean, if you make one mistake in trying to read the mind of your patient and what gender they believe they are today, you could destroy their feelings of safety, right? It's okay to be curious, she says. And it's great to become more informed. More uh, for for many LGBTQIA2+, I'm sorry, 2 
S plus folks. Though overly personal and invasive questions can be an imposition. If you are curious about what identity is or the experiences of a group, Google can be your best friend. Okay, so I'm trying to imagine this. So if you meet someone new and you don't know what to call them, you are supposed to ask them to wait a minute while you use Google on your smartphone before having the conversation with them. But what am I supposed to Google? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. How how am I going to find out what they what they are or what they think they are by Googling something? And she even continues this. Google can also be your worst enemy because all of the misinformation and harmful stereotypes that your LGBTQIA2S plus friends, coworkers, and family members face uh, out there in the world is amplified on the internet, she says. If what you're reading seems to dismiss, invalidate, or delegitimize the identity groups you're trying to learn about, look elsewhere, she says. So if if you somehow find a website that says there are only two genders or that sex other than between a married male and female is a sin, um, then then get out now and get out fast. <laughs> what about podcasts? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it applies to podcasts. Uh, she says this is particularly true for information about transgender and bisexual, pansexual, asexual folks, since those groups are so frequently misunderstood and misrepresented. Since these two groups, trans and non-monosexual, uh, also experience significantly lower health outcomes, it is critical for medical professionals to seek out and access good information. So, if we understand and misrepresent them, does that mean that there is a correct answer, but we missed it? So if, so if we believe something other than what they do, then we're wrong, in other words right? I mean, she's, she's basically saying, if we disagree here, then we're wrong. She goes on to say, answering children's questions, shielding kids from information about LGBTQIA2S plus identities doesn't actually protect them though. Hmm. Then why are we doing this? Some kids know that they're transgender as early as three and four. That is baloney. There isn't a kid that's three or four that knows that they're transgender. Although it's long been known that trans youth are at high risk for mental health challenges. And now we know why we need laws like the anti-grooming law that just passed in Florida. And there it is. Being a good ally, she says. Here are some, some quick tips that can help the LGBTQIA2S plus folks around you feel supported, validated, and safe. Get in the habit of assuming you don't know people's orientation until you're told. Most of us tend to assume that the people we meet are straight and cisgender until proven otherwise, but this can make it hard for folks to feel safe. Assume that you don't know and make space for people to be themselves. You can do this not by assuming 
the gender of someone's partner using uh, gender neutral terms like partner can help. So, so there, there it is again. We are to, to stay away from people that we don't know until they tell us what gender they are and who they like to have sex with. But what about the gender fluid people? What if they change their gender tomorrow and I get it wrong because I went off today? Do I have to be told every day? She says, normalize trans and non-binary genders. You, you actually can't tell someone's gender by looking at them, but it's very common to assume that we can. You can help to create a safe space for transgender and non-binary folks by including yourself with your pronouns and making a habit of asking everyone what pronouns they use. So, is it still wrong to use the pronouns beep, bop, boop? <laughs> or do I still get fired? She says here, says, uh, get comfortable with singular and uh, they and gender neutral language. They, them is the gender neutral equivalent to she, her, and he, his. It's even in the dictionary, she says. You can also use non-gendered language like folks, friends, colleagues, or everybody, rather than gendered terms like ladies and gentlemen. If I use the pronouns they, them, for a single person, is my question, am I calling them bipolar? Because I think I am. But anyway, let's move on. Speak up. If someone makes an um, antagonistic or unaware comment or a joke at the expense of the queer community. Um, has this author been listening to this podcast? <laughs> I think it kind of sounds like maybe she has. The best way to be an ally is to educate yourself. Find the blogs of LGBTQIA to S plus folks and read them. Read books and articles by members of the community. Keep the phrase, nothing about us without us, in mind. And always consider the voices of the people within the community to be the experts. Hmm. One of the most harmful things that has been done to the LGBTQIA2S plus folks is being studied rather than heard. You can be part of the solution by listening to people within the community and Centering their voices. I'm I'm just glad that I, that that my doctor doesn't have this attitude. <laughs> that the people that are confused about their gender are the experts. I, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And what is the phrase "nothing about us without us"? Does that mean that you can never talk to people over six feet tall without being in the room? I'm pretty sure she has talked about Christians before without me being in the room or at least in, in earshot of me. Making mistakes, she says. We all make mistakes. Even folks within the queer community make mistakes because language and norms are constantly evolving. And because we are all socialized within 
hetero and cisnormative culture, meaning that there is an assumption that straight and cisgender are normal and everything else is not normal. This can lead to a lot of shame and fear, both for people within the community and for people outside of it. It's also complicated because there are not always simple and universal right answers. If you ask 10 different queer people a question, you'll probably get 10 different answers, and that's okay. But it can be overwhelming, and we often don't want to make mistakes. Mistakes hurt people, and none of us want to be the cause of our coworker, friends, and family members' pain. But I'll say, if, if there are so many answers, and they're all very fluid, then how can I do anything but cause them their emotional pain? If, if you get something wrong, such as misgendering someone, asking an insensitive question, she says, making an assumption or making a statement that turns out to be based on misinformation or harmful stereotypes, listen to what the person who is hurting is saying. They may be angry and frustrated. Your small mistake may be the 10th time they've been misgendered today and they have heard that same biophobic assumption at family dinner the other night. Oh, so it so, so if I get wrong what gender they want to pretend to be today, I am biphobic, meaning I am in fear of them that they like to have sex with different genders. The most important thing is to be affirming, supportive. Tell them that you believe them and thank them for trusting you. Making an effort to educate yourself will help them feel supported and safe. Well, good. Please please share this podcast. As she says, it will help them feel supported and safe. Visibility is not a universal cure, she says. Simply being visible and vocal will not eliminate hatred and misunderstandings. As we can see the ongoing resistance to transgender and queer rights, but it is a critical first step. With the visibility comes community, and with community comes safety. Again, I say that there is there is this hate word that we see here. So if I don't agree with her, then I hate her, is what she's saying. That is a little bit of self-absorbed statement, don't you think? And she continues, says, medical professionals have the opportunity to create safe spaces to create a kind of inclusion that has often been missing. Affirming care saves lives. When we can find each other and when we can find our allies, we are safer and we are stronger. Wait, 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 wait. We are supposed to group up together now? Finding others that look and think like us and sound like us? What happened to our diversity is our strength? And it sounds like that's out the window. And she says, queer lives are precious and they are in your hands. Yes, I would agree that queer lives are precious. We do agree on that. And I would disagree that they are in our hands. I would say that they are in God's hands. And you may agree with me. You may disagree. And you may have want to have some more fun <laughs> here. And you can always do that at Uncommon Sense Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.